because I was clearly there and paying attention in the pre-show meeting. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> so, so my favorite part is I was the one who was like, let's figure this out beforehand. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. Better late than never this week. Scheduling conflicts got in our way here, but we are here, as always, for you. Steve Bonham, Neil Smith, it is Friday, November the 2nd, on to November, just like Cincinnati, right, Neil? That's right, that's right. November and Cincinnati are synonymous, right? That's a (laughs) total lateral Uh move. Yeah, it's always November in Cincinnati. That sounds like a band name, if it could be shortened. But of course, Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Steve, Neil at Nonsense underscore Neil, Aiden at FF Aware, all of us on at Important Nonsense on the Fantasy Life app. And then, of course, everything on importantnonsense.com. Ton of news and stuff to go through this week. We had the NFL trade deadline. We have fantasy trade deadlines coming up. People looking to make moves and do things. So a lot to get into going through uh, after a disastrous Thursday night game. That was just as ugly as expected, right? For the wrong reason, though. I'm sorry. Are you disparaging Nick Mullins, the world's greatest athlete? I mean, I'm discouraging what I had to witness, what my eyes had to view this morning when I rewatched it. Oh, you mean the Raiders' defense? Yeah, yeah like the, the yeah, football Raiders in general defense. was just ugh. Raiders' defense might be up there, like uh, for the like with the Bills. You know what I mean? For opposite reasons, just because they're so bad, and all your I don't offensive like the sound guys. Of that. It's like all your offensive guys. You're just like, yeah, give me that Raiders matchup. Everybody's going Seriously. off. <laughs> yeah, just. Ugly all the way around. But now we're on to uh, to the big news from the weekend, so let's just break that all down for you guys right now. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, oh, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Extra, extra, read all about it! And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Fantasy news from the week kicks off with the return of Elijah McGuire. He is expected to be back in week nine. He was activated off the IR today, just a couple hours ago by the Jets, so it all things seem to point to all systems being go there. Remember, he suffered a foot injury earlier this season, and he's been out ever since then. With Powell done for the year, he is the clear-cut pass-catching back and should have a decent role for the Jets. In spurts, he looked good last season, Neil. If uh, if you've got the space, is Elijah McGuire worth the ad? Uh, probably, because running back is such an unbelievable dumpster fire this season so the one that that makes weird is trenton cannon so what do you want to do with that steve trenton cannon is that i, I would much just... rather have elijah mcguire and i think trenton cannon is actually just waiver fodder if that at this point i don't see how he sees the field other than special that's, teams that's my problem is is now that elijah mcguire is back he probably is the guy you need to have so really these this really only impacts people that had trenton cannon so you want to go make that switch. And then other than that, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a kind of weird. Rest of season because of PPR. How do you, flex site, you flex would you rather have um, RB2 McGuire or uh, Crowell then in the Jets backfield? I think you still want uh, Crowell. I know it's, it's a bit frustrating. Because of the running the value? It's the volume. It's the, the red volume. zone targets too? The volume, it's just everything. He's been He's been kind of been the lead guy. And I know that's because Powell's been, well, bad and then hurt. But Cannon had some value last week. I mean, so that's. The, I was going to say, is that the because they? Uh, we've talked about it before. They, how they just hate Belial Powell for no real reason. Like, is it? Yeah, that's part of it. I think they always it, do that. You know, Elijah McGuire is that a guy they actually like? Are they going to feed him the ball more than they were giving it to Powell? That's my yeah. That's the question. It's just that unfortunately, I don't know that anyone knows the answer to that except for the Jets, and we'll have to wait and see on it. So that's why I'm saying for right now. McGuire's a perfectly legitimate ad, and I agree with you. Trent Cannon probably droppable, unfortunately. Meanwhile, uh, Stefan Diggs dealing with a rib injury. Missed practice the last couple of days. Says he still expects to play and should be all right. 
With their bye week coming up next week, they could be cautious with the injury situation, so it's something you definitely want to monitor, have a backup plan in place. Along with him, the other Viking, to keep in mind, Dalvin Cook apparently will suit up and play this week. It was reported before that uh, he was going to be out through their bye, but he will be on a snap count this weekend. So if you have Latavius Murray... It's uh, it's interesting that Delvin Cook could cut into that some. I don't know if I want any of those guys this weekend. Do you? Uh, I don't think you want either running back because you've probably yeah. been rotating, rotating that around anyway by this point in the season. And the the uh, rib injury to Diggs uh, is not ideal, obviously. Um, however, I just don't know that you have that many better options than Diggs. Diggs has been pretty good this year. Yeah, because of the waiver wire situation, all the bye weeks. All the buys, and he's got a matchup against Detroit pretty decent matchup it's they, they say it's scary on paper i'm not as concerned they're going to be able to do stuff against them so uh, i think you probably have to roll digs and just uh keep a keep an eye on it have an eyebrow raised but maybe if you have better options feel free but either running back i stand by i don't know that you want either guy this week meanwhile uh with josh allen already hurt and Derek anderson now dealing with a concussion Nathan Peterman is the clear-cut starter against the Bears this week. Now, Josh Allen did suit up in practice today, which is an improvement. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they ran Josh Allen out there just because they're so desperate to not play Nathan Peterman. But against the Bears' defense, do you really want to get your rookie killed? Right. I mean, even without but Khalil Mack's probably not going to play in that game. So that'll, that'll, right. that'll save you some pain. But at the same time, have you seen the rest of that defense? They're all playing really well right now, and they're all pretty yeah. good individually. So... Like, that front seven is going to be problems for the Bills O-line big time. So, no, I don't think you want to – I can't believe we're actually having to have this conversation. I don't think you want to play any of the Bills this week, except maybe LeJean McCoy if you had no other options. Yeah, Bears clear-cut top defense of the week and probably rest of season. Have to believe at this point, though, like you said, there's no more usable Bills at this point, right? I mean, it's just all garbage. It's LeJean McCoy if you were desperate, and that's it. Even that's LaShawn it. McCoy has not played well. I know. That's what I'm saying. If I don't even know if he's usable. Like, he's, at this point, he's an well, emergency fill-in. He had fill a last week because they just kept throwing him the ball because they had no other actual offense. Yeah, it's, so, it's, he's an emergency bi-week fill-in, and that's yeah. it, I think. Yeah, that's it. He's, it's, if you're desperate in an emergency, that's it. It's LaShawn McCoy and then literally nothing else. You can just burn the rest of that roster. There's nothing I want. Kelvin Benjamin looks like he's not trying. Which, by the way, does that surprise anyone? Uh, No. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, the Fitz magic is back, Neil. Believe in the Fitz magic. Bucks went to Fitzpatrick late in that game on Sunday. They ultimately did lose, but once he got on the field, I mean, he got them all the way back to tie it. They they looked better. They looked more cohesive when he came in. Evans, Howard, and DJ exploded. The whole vibe on the team changed. The offense was way more efficient. The team just played better overall. I mean, that part of it could be Cincinnati phoning it in because it's Cincinnati, but, I mean, he, he's got to be an improvement over what Winston was giving you, right? I mean, at this point, how could he not be? I mean, Winston, right, done, season, unless an injury happens, got to be done, right? And I imagine they move on from him at this point just to have the macro conversation around how the man, the myth, the legend, the dad, Ryan Fitzpatrick, somehow is back starting in the National Football League. And, yeah, I think it is an upgrade because – Look, until Ryan Fitzpatrick throws six interceptions again, because that's the other side yeah. of it. That's why he's never been able to maintain being a starter in the NFL is because he'll come out and look great and he'll put you in a game. And when they're down, especially watch. Remember that jet season? They'd be down a billion. And then suddenly he just comes roaring back. It's it's weird how that seems to work. But that's kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then at some point he's going to have a game where he looks like he's completely horrendous and get and they're going to want to bench him. But then they probably can't because they know what the alternative is. So, yeah, I think you uptick all the bucks as long as he's playing uh, for the most part. And you pretty much Deshaun Jackson becomes usable again because we've seen yeah. that now. Whenever yeah, we talked starter, about that before, like Deshaun Jackson has like five or six touchdowns as a buck. And only one of them was with Winston. Like most of them are with Fitzpatrick. So I think we've got more than enough sample at this point to say that Winston and Deshaun Jackson just can't get on the same page for whatever reason. They just can't get it. It just doesn't work that way. And when Fitzpatrick's in there, Deshaun Jackson goes right back to his, you know, his old Deshaun Jackson self. You're either going to get a, a, a seven or you're going to get a 32 because he's just yep. going to catch one deep. So it, it makes him usable again, though. 
And I, you know, O. Howard, tight end is a complete train wreck. So, I mean, even if yeah. he wasn't, all, yeah, like game, you said, all like, the skill guys in Tampa uptick with Fitzpatrick in there, and of course, if you can get him off waivers, Fitzpatrick, probably the best streaming option you've got out there right now. Meanwhile, all right, a few quick hitters to go through. First off, AJ Green cited in a walking boot earlier this week. They were just doing regular meetings. No new updates because they're on the bye. So it's just something to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, we'll have to update that situation next week. Cooper Cup expected back this week from that uh, MCL sprain that he had earlier. Geronimo Allison, doubtful to play this weekend. If you've been playing Geronimo, you will need a backup option. And then Chris Thompson dealing with a new rib injury of his own. He is once again out which means AP, a strong RB2 candidate in a good matchup, as you had mentioned before. Uh, anything you want to elaborate on in the quick hitters there? Uh, other than we could just, you know, take a moment and acknowledge that everyone who owns Cooper Cup can calm down on social media. And uh, he's back, all right? He's back. Just, it's fine. If you've waited this long, just put him in your lineup this week. Just the, the amount of sadness when Cooper Cup went down was... Uh, Sustained and powerful. So I'm glad everyone's glad he's back. Understandably so. He's had a great season to this point. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's now that he's back in, yeah, I think it'll continue. I mean, why would it not? Sure. High scoring but game. Than, it should be on the road, right? No, other than that, there. other than that, I think we nailed the news. I think we got all the news of the week, uh, right where people need it. All right. Well, the biggest news of the week was the NFL trade deadline and the three, well, I don't know, three big trades, but two big trades and then another one. That kind of remains a fantasy yeah, and a headlines. trade that happened. Yeah, and a trade <laughs> right. that happened. Yes. So uh, we're going to go through all of those individually through uh, Devil's Advocate. May I play Devil's Advocate for a moment? It's time for some Devil's Advocate. Who the devil are you? Debating the topics. There's still one thing that doesn't make sense. The community is talking about. Now, what were we talking about? <laughs> All right, it is the trade deadline edition of Devil's Advocate. Neil, would you like to drive Devil's Advocate? You typically do. I will be happy to take over the wheel here and we'll do some Devil's Advocate. That's right. The much maligned, much missed by some people, everybody's favorite segment, except for the people that send me death threats. Uh, Except for people that hate fun. Except for people that hate fun and lively spirit debate. Also people that just don't read social media. (laughs) <laughs> particularly the fantasy life app. But this week we're going to take a different spin on it because this, these were the three biggest topics of the week by far. And just, I mean, we're going to start with the softball. We're going to do the easy one first. So for those of you who may have missed it, Ty Montgomery had a hissy fit on the sideline. Then they told him to take a knee in the end zone to give Aaron Rodgers the ball back. So the Packers could try and go down and uh, do Packers things, try and win a game at the last second on some Aaron Rodgers miracle stuff. We've all seen that a million times. Ty Montgomery apparently decided, no, nah, man, I'm just going to take that ball out. And he tried, and he fumbled, and the Rams won, and then Todd Gurley ran it down to the two-yard line and basically took a knee, and people just got so furious. And so, yeah, so then cut to a couple days later, Ty Montgomery has been traded to Baltimore. <laughs> one of the funniest, spiteful things ever. So Ty Montgomery, though, because running back is just brutal right now, had some fringe use on people's rosters. He was a waiver wire candidate, and then he was kind of owned, and it's a whole thing. So the topic has been, does Ty Montgomery have any value left? Has it gone up? Is it the same? And uh, I think what I'll do is we'll go ahead and I'll do the the pro side of this, which is very simple. Well, can't be much worse than what it was, right? I was doing the plus for Ty Montgomery. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. We'll do the minus for Ty Montgomery real quick, and I'll let Steve elaborate on what I had said before because it's uh, it's actually funnier when he does it. The minus side of Ty Montgomery is, look, Ty Montgomery is just droppable. He goes back into another three-headed monster with Alex Collins and uh, and Buck Allen, and he just goes ahead and you can just drop that. It just – he becomes just fodder. He just, he, he's going to have to get integrated into the offense – who knows if he's even going to be able to do anything for them. And you weren't getting anything anyway. You could probably just go ahead and pick up Elijah McGuire, frankly, if you're rostering Ty Montgomery at the back end of your roster. So I would say Montgomery, we'll just roll it on. 
that's the end of that. And for the plus side of it, I would say that the person that this hurts the most in the whole thing is Buck Allen, in my opinion. Because we, we've said it before on this show that weirdly, Buck Allen is their goal line back. It makes no sense whatsoever, but they put him in there in the goal line to run the ball and to spread out and catch it. And that's what Ty Montgomery is. He's a bigger guy who I think fills that Buck Allen role better than Buck Allen ever has. In Green Bay, Aaron Jones clearly emerged as the guy who was going to take over that whole job one way or another. Getting Ty Montgomery out of the way just clears the door for that to happen. So Aaron Jones, rest of season, RB2, no doubt about that. But with that, with he was stuck behind Aaron Jones as it was in Green Bay. This gives him an opportunity to actually still have some use somewhere. And as I said, I feel like he's going to end up being the goal line back here. He's going to be a touchdown-dependent flex on a week-in, week-out basis, basically where Buck Allen was. I think it kills Buck Allen. I don't really want Alex Collins because he's going to get you the yardage, but then they get to the 20 and they pull him out of the game. So I think if you're owning any running back in Baltimore, I actually believe it is Ty Montgomery that you want. Yeah, fair enough. I will stand by, I don't know that I really want Ty Montgomery or uh, Buck Allen, and I think the only one... I agree with you that Elijah yeah. McGuire has the bigger upside, and I'd rather have Elijah McGuire. I would rather have Elijah McGuire than any of those people. Alex Collins, you are stuck with, because of the RB wasteland. So you've got a little while to try and trade it, if you can do that, but I agree with that. You don't really want him either, because he's going to chew up some yards for you, but he's not really that productive in the red zone touchdown department. So you're kind of counting on him to like break something and, and run it back, which he can do, but it's not really the, his strong suit either, but you're kind of stuck there. And I more than agree with you, Aaron Jones, RB two rest of season with one less mouth to feed. That just makes that even easier. And Jamal Williams hasn't looked great. So that's his competition is that. And it's like, okay, great. So Aaron Jones, they, they've said all along, they want to force feed Aaron Jones, the ball after they got out of the, the buy, they clearly did that last week. For him to put up those numbers against a tough front seven for the Rams, yeah, it's ugh. so. If everyone we've discussed, be... if everyone we've discussed, that's the one I want for rest of season is Aaron Jones. You're oh, stuck yeah, with no Collins, doubt. and I mean, then the rest of it is frankly waiver wire fodder slash. I'll take Elijah McGuire and just alleviate myself of the whole headache, frankly. And uh, yeah, yeah, of those guys mentioned, I would want McGuire in order: McGuire, Montgomery, Collins. Buck Allen a distant fourth. Yeah, and Aaron Jones, the problem. Yeah, Aaron Jones I'm not even putting in that class because yeah. he should already be owned and is a legitimate RB2. Yeah, and so everybody else, yeah, that, that I can't really argue with it too much. I may flip uh, Collins slightly ahead there, uh, one spot higher. I will also say this week, of the three guys traded, Ty Montgomery has the best chance to be the best one of them because he's a running yeah. back. So they yeah, could just yeah. slot him in. And immediately do work. Yes, that's a good that's a good note to point out to people. You can running back, you can kind of plug and play. Wide receiver is we're going to get into. Uh, it's going to take a second because they've got to get integrated into the offense. You, they can't just. It's tough to put people out there who don't actually know the routes and the playbook. There's very few guys I've ever seen get traded and then on pure athleticism can just get slotted in and just do stuff. It's uh, just go out there and run straight down the sideline with your hand up. We'll get you the ball. We saw Josh Gordon even remember at the beginning of the season. That was all they were letting him do. Yeah, exactly. Perfect look. Yeah. And it's like that's what you're going to get from some of these guys at the beginning. They're going to play possibly, but that's going to be their role. It but, is, uh, you're just going to be the X and just run straight down and just get open. Hopefully we can make you, get you the cash, ball. Homie. Randy Moss. Straight cash. <laughs> Randy Moss significantly better than any of the people we will discuss now. Uh, first up. Demarius Thomas to your beloved Texans. Oh, the Broncos. Woo, Super Bowl. Woo. Yeah. Uh, he's been on the outs here in Denver for quite a while. They're, he's making a lot of money against their cap. And uh, here in – he just he, – to me, he hasn't really fully been right since two years ago when on the first play of the game uh, of the season, effectively, he got uh, hit in the, in the hip and he played through it the whole season with that injury. And he rehabbed, he said, and came back the next year, and he did look a little bit better, but then he got hurt again. And I just feel like he's 31. He's Uh-oh, our age. I don't like the sound of that. Yeah, he's our age. He's got a lot of miles on him at this point. And so and so people here have been really upset that they've effectively paid him like $19 million to drop passes, look slower than he used to. And then they went out and got shiny new toy Cortland Sutton. 
And a lot of people have just been suggesting that this needs to happen because he's blocking Cortland Sutton's path, the playing time, which they he's the future. And I worry if Demarius Thomas doesn't end up kind of like in that Roddy White situation, just the injuries finally just catch up with you and it just kind of derails the, the rest of your career. But he's on the Texans now. So not Denver's problem. And I did see a lot of Texans people, Steve, and this is where I'll cede it to you because you've got your finger on the pulse of the Texans. Texans country, happy, seemed happy on the Internet from what I could tell. Oh, yeah. They love yeah, it. It's they seem easily the best. I mean, it's the best one-two combo they've had at wide receiver since they had uh, Andre Johnson and Nuke in yeah. his first you know, Nuke with his rookie season. So Right. E- easily the best wide receiver combo in – I don't know, half a decade? Probably. Warts aside, I would say uh, Demarius is a huge upgrade over anything you had. Like, the yeah. one issue that I'll warn you about is he's got some stone hands developing right now. But uh, oh, yeah, we'll get into that. But, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great move, I think, by the Texans because it cost you a four. And so it's like – and you guys had the money to swing this little deal. So I would say, you know, good job by them. And so I think it's a smart move for the Broncos as well because – I mean, they're just not going to be – it's going to be a miracle for them to make the playoffs. And at that point around here, their mentality is, well, if we're not going to the playoffs, then we're just going to play the young guys and try and get them, get them integrated in. So uh, also fueling this, Will Fuller tore his ACL, as we mentioned, uh, I believe it was in last week's show, so that he officially is on the IR. Uh, so. No, he tore his ACL on Thursday. Oh, okay. Thursday night game after our show last. Well, then we'll go so, ahead and pour one out for Will yeah. Fuller for the season. Of course, yeah, my home yeah, Will Fuller. Will yeah. Fuller, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that fueled a lot of this. And Patriots, Eagles, Titans were all in on the bidding for this. The Patriots one was the one where I had my eyebrow raised, where it's like, really? Like, did you think you needed another guy with Josh Gordon, or are you just frustrated? Yeah, let's cloud this up some more. Yeah, yeah, are you frustrated that Josh Gordon's just not showing up to meetings on time? Also, what were you expecting? <laughs> it's... Yeah, boy. So, yeah, the uh, there's going to be lots and lots of underneath routes, but let's go ahead and pause it here, and we'll get into more analysis on this in a moment. Let's pause it here, and uh, uh, this time I will endeavor to do this correctly, and I will do the plus side of Demarius Thomas because I was clearly there and paying attention in the pre-show meeting. Yeah, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so, my favorite part is I was the one who was like, let's figure this out beforehand. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. Yep, that's right. A peek behind the curtain at the level of professionalism that goes on. Late, so unprepared. <laughs> uh, look, Demarius Thomas, again, let's go back to the old crutch argument of crutch arguments. How could it be worse? <laughs> He's been terrible. So you, you put him on an offense that's less constipated than the offense that was that he was on before. An offense that doesn't get a penalty on, on every alternate play. And we put him there with a guy in Watson who has proven that he can get you the ball. You know, it's a little concerning that he can't really run right now because he seems like he's nursing a bunch of injuries on his own. But he's going to run. I mean, it's just a it makes I hold my breath every time. Uh, and, but he, he's going to he has to be more adept at getting the ball than than to Thomas than Case Keenum has proven to be because they just haven't been able to get on the same page at all. So for me, give it a few weeks and uh, I'll, you know, Thomas possible wide receiver two candidate. I mean, real uh, we've seen him have success in the past. I mean, all the warts aside, his opportunity has clearly gone up. And in terms of, do I want to try and acquire him? Hey, if there's somebody out there who's got Demarius Thomas and is just beyond frustrated with it and I can get Demarius Thomas on my team for a ham sandwich, I'm doing it. I'm totally doing that. Like, I'm just going to – and I, if, especially if I'm, like, uh, six and – you know, I've got over six wins at this point, uh, and I'm looking at something for the playoffs. Chances are my team's probably good enough that I can stash Demarius Thomas on the back end of my roster and wait the this week and then the bye to let them try and get him acclimated into the system. And then he might be contributing meaningfully by as soon as week 11, week 12, that type of thing. Whereas the guy who's holding him, frankly, he may not be in a position to uh, – he or she may not be in a position to wait that time. They may need to make a move now. So that would be the pro side of the Demarius argument. Also, uh, just to add on to you there, Will Fuller played, I believe, see, five full games this season. Do I have that right? He missed yes. the first three games. He missed this the season? first three, and then yeah, he's played five. Yeah, forty-two targets 
in those five games. So you're looking at eight targets a game are on the table. Well, the Texans, for, uh, you know, they just haven't been able to really consistently run it. So they're yeah. chucking it around. and it's, it's Oh, they still try. They, they're a majority run the ball team. It's just it hasn't been effective. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's been ineffective, so they've had to rely on, on throwing more passes than they want to. Uh, so that helps you out a little bit there in your argument. But the minus side I will take for Demarius Thomas. As you mentioned, if something concerns you, it's the stone hands. He's going to be getting... Uh, let's see, he's got 56 targets so far this year in nine games played, eight games played? What have they got, seven? They haven't had their bye yet. They haven't they? had their bye yet, so they've played every game this season. So they played eight games, he's got 56 targets in those eight games. So he's going to be getting, roughly, if he fills the fuller role, about the same amount of targets. And Demarius Thomas, to this point, uh, has six drops, which is tied for the second most in the league. Also, he has a drop rate of dropping a pass 14% of his catchable targets, which is the 10th highest among qualified wide receivers. So, it's as you mentioned, the stone hands. It, it's been rough. He may get a higher volume, but if he's putting the ball in the dirt, it doesn't matter. So, look, if, if he does get the same volume he's been having with the drop rate, I don't think this necessarily could help him that much. I think this actually might hurt him a little bit because he doesn't have the familiarity with the playbook, with the quarterback. He still has a bye now in week 10. He had the bye anyway to deal with, but he's not going to be acclimated enough this week, I think, to do much of anything. Next week, he's got the bye. At the earliest, he can help you is week 11. And then even then, you have to hope that he can learn how to catch the ball. And he's not going to be the downfield threat that Will Fuller was. So he doesn't have that big boom ability that Fuller had when he was a back-end wide receiver, too, here for the Texans. So maybe wide receiver three territory, but Demarius Thomas, I think, could take a little downtick learning the offense, but otherwise mainly a lateral type move. All right, so that's that's the broader argument. And again, between the two, I would lean more towards you that he yeah. could get a higher volume because he's not fighting a third guy like uh, Kiki QT. If he's going to be back and be the downfield guy and take away the big bombs that Fuller was getting, then maybe I could see the argument that Demarius Thomas doesn't have the touchdown ability, but I think because of the red zone targets that he's going to be able to get, and like you said, the more efficient offense, I think he's going to have a good rest of season. Exactly. And so and where I actually kind of land on that is I actually more or less believe what I said before. Uh, it's that wasn't exactly theater. So it's uh to me, it's he was just kind of wasting away here in Denver. It was just getting to the point where I feel like they were going to have to make a decision about when do we just stop playing him. And so a lot of people here were upset that all they got was a four. And I was kind of sitting there saying, I mean, what did you realistically think you were going to get? Like, it's like, what, what do you what do you think the market is, fanboys? <laughs> like for for a guy who's on the wrong side of 30 and granted it's wide receiver, they go a little bit longer than running back. But what did you think you were, you were going to get a two? <laughs> that's not, that's not happening. Like that's just, that's crazy talk. So for me, it's, I think it actually is possibly a smart move. If you've been struggling with Demarius Thomas to this point and you're still in contention, you've got a good team. Yep. So you may actually just be able to, uh, to sit Demarius Thomas like you've been doing probably stash him on the back of your bench and just kind of wait and see what happens. And uh, you can kind of play both sides of that fence. And if you're out there, like I am desperate at wide receiver, you probably got some a better option out there than uh, moving with Demarius. The way I would see that actually working logistically is if you had a really stacked team and you were thin at wide receiver and you had depth elsewhere and you had something you knew you weren't going to play, you might be able to go over to that Demarius Thomas guy and say, hey, uh, I'll give you like literally something that's off the back of my bench so you have another option and I'll take Demarius and I'll just deal with the headache and the drops and we'll just kind of see what happens because if he's going to get the same level of defensive attention that Will Fuller gets, I would have to think that that's going to turn into profits for Demarius. If he can just stop dropping the football, <laughs> that's the, that's the, the, the major work to the both of us. It seems like that's the common ground is his, whatever upside or downside it is, is it's going to hinge a lot on. Can you, can you stop putting the ball on the ground? And uh, just to, Back in on that, Houston has actually been one of the most efficient teams catching the football. And you could say that that's the receivers out there, or you could say it's the quarterback play, where he's putting yeah. the ball for them. Because Keenum uh, is not season, exactly putting them in the, the easiest of windows. Yeah. <laughs> right. As I said, Demarius, uh, 
is number what was that ten on yeah, the wrong 10. side of it. Ten. Yeah. yeah. He's uh forty two catchable passes with six drops. And then you also have Cortland Sutton, twenty catchable passes and three drops. So is that the receivers or is that Keenum? Because Emmanuel Sanders fifty one catchable and he's caught fifty. Yeah. Emmanuel's having a great so, season though. And he seems to right. have got this chemistry with Keenum that no one else has been able to kind of replicate. He can seem to go out and wherever Keenum puts it, he'll just get it. Whereas everybody else seems to be struggling. So But again, my favorite part of that is uh the Texans this year as a team combined the wide receivers that is 108 catchable passes, two drops. And both of them are Kiki QT. Yeah. <laughs> Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, a combined 85 for 85 on catchable passes this season. Yep, and you're so, not going to get that with it, the Bears, I mean, but... if, if Watson's putting it in the in the right spot, maybe that helps the drop rate for Demarius Thomas. Hopefully. It's possible. It's possible. Right? It is possible. Because historically, it's not like this is a regular thing for Demarius Thomas to, to have stone hands. Like he has some drops. This, He's had some this drops has been a recent this trend. Is really it? bad. Yeah, th- never to this level. This is this is new and unsettling slightly, which is part of why I think they were ready to move on. But I mean, f- very quickly, you know, for the rest of them, we've kind of touched on them. Uh, I mean, what are you going to move Hopkins up more? Like you can't. Like, right, I already had really? him at two, so he's not really going to go higher. Yeah, we, there's, there's very little to do with Hopkins is Hopkins, and that's just what it is. So there's really no analysis to that. It's it doesn't it, adding Thomas does not change my view of Hopkins in any way. The biggest rise there is, as we had briefly mentioned, Cortland Sutton uh, in Denver. That's a that's a that's the real one. That's the one where, and I've seen a lot of uh, varying takes on that. I've seen a lot of people saying. Meh, Cortland Sutton, who cares? And a lot of people are like, uh, I care. I care deeply. Yeah, Cortland Sutton's still <laughs> somehow 60% available in the ESPN leagues. I don't understand that. I mean, you spent 50 fab dollars on him in the Golden League, so. Absolutely. I mean, that was the least surprising thing in the world to me. I'm like, somebody's going to push the boat out here. Like and- I said, 56 targets on the table from Demarius Thomas that are now up for grabs. And even if. Uh, you can help me out here with this. Who is the the other rookie there who I can't think oh, of? Oh, the there's a couple, head. but I think the one you're thinking of the is... The one that uh, caught the touchdown last that's week. That's Tim Patrick, but I, I was actually thinking you were thinking of their uh, their other rookie, um, who's well, uh, Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick both are their other rookies that they're going to try and want to get playing time for. But they, they came out and telegraphed it. They were like, we are doing this effectively to make sure that we can start Cortland Sutton. Because we want to see what right. we got in our second round draft pick that has looked competent, and they've they've basically been saying we just want to wait for him to get acclimated and really just demonstrate to us in practice that he knows the playbook and can can get out there and contribute. And they've they've more or less tipped their hand, saying we feel like we're we're ready to do this, and he's going into the buy in week ten because Denver and Houston have the same buy. Just to nail that down. Uh, okay. And and so that's the. That's the uh, the situation there is we're going to play Cortland this week and he's going to go into the bye. We'll give him some time to like get fully acclimated and finally ramped up because we'll be nine games into the season at that point, ten full weeks in. And we're just going to play Cortland Sutton for the rest of the year. And I, I that's what it is. He's going to get that to Mary's Thomas job. And, yeah, they're going to there's going to be some opportunities yeah, for a, a Deshaun and a Tim Patrick. But but no, like Cortland is the, the one with the path yeah, to playing 56 time. targets left on the table for Demarius Thomas. What's interesting is with Sutton, he's had 8 to 10 points basically every week this year because of, the, of a touchdown or because of just the volume on the deep passes they've been hitting him on. He's had 35 targets. So basically almost half the targets Thomas has had already as the third guy. So someone's going to come in and take that Sutton role. But what's interesting is the accuracy downfield is not great for Case Keenum. We've seen that throughout his entire yeah, career. Really so for Cortland Sutton to start getting the mid-range and underneath stuff that Demarius Thomas was getting, I think just completely upticks what he's been able to do. Yes, he's got the three drops, which you don't love, but at the same time, if he's going to get a higher volume in a low, in a, a situation where he's not having to sprint down the field to go out and get it, I think that actually plays better to his skill set, and he has a better opportunity to put up big points. He's got the upside of a wide receiver, too, this season. And long term, 
you have to believe Emmanuel's gone at the end of this year, and then he's the number one wideout out there next season. Uh, so if you're looking yeah. at a dynasty perspective, so Emmanuel, I mean, Cortland Sutton, a guy you want for sure. That's an interesting one out here. Emmanuel doesn't want to be here, but they want to keep him here. So yeah. that's not good. The Emmanuel has been pretty clear with I, I'm out. Uh, I think Emmanuel wants to go to Houston. To be perfectly honest, I'm not making that up. That's that's what that would be going home for him. And it's been a poorly kept secret around here that uh, he was hoping he would have been the one who would have been traded uh, to the Texans as opposed to Demarius to go home. So look out for that. In the and by the way, for the record, um, over the last couple of years, just doing some quick research here, a manual or I'm not. See, now you got a manual on my brain. Demarius Thomas. I got him all hot and bothered, uh, people. The, I got him thinking yeah, about over the Emmanuel last five Sanders seasons, on the Texans. <laughs> Since 2014, drop rate for Demarius Thomas, right? 8%, 10%, 7%, 10%, and then this season, 19%, a career high in drop rate. So, like I said, it's, the only thing that's changed is Case Keenum, right? Yeah. So you got to believe if Watson can get him the ball more effectively that the drop rate will go back to normal. Half the drops is, is big production for him. Yeah, and again, it's an offense that they're going to keep trying to run the football. I just don't know how successful they're going to be. So they're going to have to throw. I think that's just kind of the writings on the wall there in Houston at this point. I don't know what you're going to do to suddenly fix that offensive line situation to make them be able to effectively run it halfway through the year, past the trade deadline. So And then again, Kiki QT. Uh, back end flex because I think he's going to now get the bombs out of the slot that Will Fuller was already getting. The question with him is just, can he keep that hamstring healthy? But they really like that rookie running out of the slot, which is why they were willing to go all in here with uh, DT this season, try to keep that offense humming the way it has been the last few weeks. Yeah, and they've been pretty good. They're trying to make the playoffs. I mean, that it, it made a lot of sense, this move, because it's like, if you believe that you're a playoff team, you got to do something like this with Will Fuller going down. And I agree with that. Kiki QT, you might as well at this point. Back end flex. So the final trade, the final penultimate trade. By the way, all you people who are like Cortland Sutton, blah, blah, I think you've missed an opportunity. Uh, I think you've, I think you have, uh, I think you've misidentified something there. And I, I believe Cortland Sutton could, has the potential to be a special player. So. Catch the fever. Exactly. <clears throat> Get that Cortland Sutton fever. He's got to be over 50% owned. That's, that's, that's. Well, he will be after he puts up a 20 this week against Houston. Right. Uh, which is the weirdest thing. We didn't mention that. They're playing each other this week. So yeah, I know. That's, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Normally, you wouldn't see a trade like this. In Denver. Done. In Denver. They're Houston yeah. v. Denver in Denver. Wow. Cheers or booze for DT, you think? Uh, Cheers. And then once cheers, he right? does something, then booze. Yeah, of course. So obviously. it will be cheers when he runs out onto the field, and then there will be boos because he is largely well liked. I maintain Demarius Thomas, Ring of Fame player for Denver. I also think Demarius might end up being one of those guys that signs a one-day contract to retire a Bronco. So it's it's that kind of thing. Like if Demarius Thomas was to go to the Hall of Fame, I would think it would be at this point unless right. Demarius Thomas was the one who caught the the. Tebow yes. touchdown against the Steelers yep. in overtime. Yep. So, no, Demarius is still – it's just – this is a business decision. It's not that everybody really fervently doesn't like Demarius Thomas anymore. There are people that are frustrated because of the drop rate, and that's part of why he's gone and the cap hit, but that's why that is. It's not because people in Denver can't stand him. Now, that being said, I do – like I said, I do firmly believe that as soon as he catches a pass or if he catches a touchdown, he'll get booed. That's that's going to happen. So, so there's the – uh, that's kind of a weird one, but let's move on. We got to, we got to wrap up devil's advocate here. We got one last big trade and this one was the one that it's juicy. Oh, it's juicy. Golden Tate traded to the Eagles. And the really, for me, the surprise there was the landing spot. They'd been talking about trading Golden Tate for a while. They had been saying that was something that was likely going to happen. And very interesting that the Eagles popped up at the last second. I mean, it moves a lot of people around this one. So I think for this final one, let's just go ahead and we'll try and do the actual uh, plus minus for uh, Golden Tate and then try and figure out exactly how to discuss the changes with both teams. So, again, because I was totally paying attention in the pre-show meeting, I'm going to go ahead and do the uh, the plus for Golden Tate here real quick. Look, it's the Eagles offense. 
They needed a slot guy because Nelson Aguilar has been up and down and up and down, and he's like a yo-yo with that guy. And you just don't know what you're going to get. They've been wildly inconsistent this season, and Golden Tate represents a stabilizing force. You get him integrated into the playbook to run the inside slot stuff that he always does, and it's a massive upgrade over anything they had. It, it forces the other teams to have to rotate the extra coverage that was on Elshon Jeffrey because you can't just let Golden Tate run around out there. He'll crush you. And it also, you know, presents an interesting opportunity for whoever will ultimately emerge, you know, as the actual downfield threat there. Do they move Nelson Aguilar back out there? Do they just bench Nelson Aguilar? You know, that's the one that, that is really interesting. But Golden Tate is Golden Tate, and it's a lateral move because you're going from playing with Matt Stafford to Carson Wentz. So whatever you were getting out of Golden Tate, that's what you were probably going to expect going forward. What hurts it is that he's going to have to sit out for uh, a week or two to try and figure out how to get integrated into the offense. But outside of that, Golden Tate is Golden Tate. No need to panic. No need to do anything crazy. That's the take for the plus side. The other side of that is you mentioned Nelson Aguilar. We saw in his first couple seasons Nelson Aguilar on the outside, and we saw how terrible that was. He has played significantly better in the slot. If they decide they want to keep Aguilar in the slot and put Tate on the outside, Golden Tate has played on the outside in the perimeter a lot in his career, mostly with Seattle. A little bit at the start there in Detroit, but mostly in Seattle. Now, in Seattle and beginning in Detroit, he did have more touchdowns, about 23 or 24 compared to the 12 in the slot that he was getting uh, in Detroit. So more touchdown rate, but less volume in PPR. So if they do put Tate on the outside and keep Aguilar in the slot to keep it more efficient that way, and I feel like that's what will happen, then you worry about him not having the same volume he was getting before in terms of PPR catches, and you're more touchdown dependent, which is why I had him rest of season as my 10th overall wide receiver in Detroit, getting that huge amount of volume in the occasional touchdown. Now when you're solely relying on a touchdown, low-end wide receiver two, more in the 18-19 range for the rest of season. Still solid, still good, but I think he takes a, a dramatic hit to uh to his value the rest of the way and i believe that he will go on the outside simply because if they were also looking at demarius thomas that's the role they were looking to fill not necessarily take Aguilar out of the slot they're on the bye this week so we have to wait till next week to see yep. i think he has a decent shot to be valuable next week because they have the bye because they have the extra week to work on it get him integrated somewhat um He'll still probably be a little limited, but I, I think he could be at full strength in two weeks for sure. I think the one thing we can agree on is Aguilar's done, right? No more yeah. value for Aguilar, you know what? but little value we'll he move had. Back to, let's move back to Tate in and of himself in a moment, and let's nail that down. Yeah, I, I'm done with Nelson Aguilar at this point for fantasy purposes because he's now going to be switching, or he's either going to be playing the slot still, which he wasn't even having a great year anyway. Like, really not. So they're going to let him keep doing that, or they're going to put him outside. And as you pointed out before, he was a disaster. When they played him outside, he was he just doesn't have that that straight line speed, I think, or something. Something doesn't work with him on the outside. So it's a uh, he kind of has to play that slot to continue to have value. And if they're going to be moving him around or if they're going to be switching Golden Tate, you know what I mean? Because what about that scenario where suddenly they're just flipping back and forth, you know, as as it kind of dictates? That would be, I think, bad for both, frankly. Golden Tate probably is the huge victor in that scenario because, as you pointed out, he's demonstrated he's at least capable of playing outside and at least, you know, cap and he's really good in the slot. So it, that it's it's really frustrating to me. So, yeah, Aguilar is probably, you know, droppable for the most part. Jeffrey, I think, was getting such a large target share. I think the one that's unaffected I, doesn't bother uh, Wentz to me, doesn't bother Ertz. They do entirely different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wentz and Ertz is, are your people that are not part of this whole mover. And Jeffrey I had as a high-end the... wide receiver three, and I think now he's like a mid to low wide receiver three because he's not going to get the same uh, outside volume. You know what I mean? Like they'd move him between the left and the right on the perimeter, and if they were throwing outside, he's the guy they'd chuck it to. Now if he's just locked in on one side of the field because they have Golden Tate running the other one, I think this kind of hurts what his value is, and it dips him a little bit more than it helps him. The one thing I will say that it could help him is that because he was so far and away their best receiver on the Eagles, at least adding Golden Tate would, I would think, in theory, mean slightly less coverage for uh, for Jeffrey. They can't just load everybody up on him. 
because now you at least have to under you at least have to respect the fact that Zach Ertz and Golden Tate are out there. So if there's any positive to Jeffrey, I think it would be that. But overall, I agree. It's kind of a it's not ideal for him. It's kind of this this throws a huge wrench into, I think, where we viewed all their past catchers that aren't Ertz for the most part. It kind of makes this whole thing muddled. So I don't, I don't even know how much that helped. Like I said, I mean, you were always going to have the guy over the top on Jeffrey and the corner. I still think that's the same because you're going to have the, the linebackers on Ertz and then you're probably just playing man to man on Golden Tate. You're playing man to man on whoever was on the other side anyway. Tate's not going to burn you down the field. Aguilar's the guy you got to worry about over the top. So no, but Kate, Tate can move you is the thing. So like if Tate, if they get Tate into a position where he can cut on somebody, he's been pretty good at that throughout his career. So it's a that's what I worry about with Golden Tate in a man on man situation is that he'll put a move on you, he'll put his foot in the ground, and then he's just wide open. And Wentz, I would have to believe, is good enough to take advantage of that. And just he's not going to burn you down the field. I agree, but he can rattle off a bunch of eight yard catches because he just goes out, yeah. burns you to the left or right eight yards, run the ball first down, do it again. And I know I'm just talking about, I still don't, I still think they would double Jeffrey over the top as opposed to shifting that safety to Tate's side, no matter what he's doing. Quite possible. That's why I say it's kind of the only positive. It's the one small takeaway. If you want to hang your head on anything, because otherwise I think, yeah, it lowers really to me. It's like, it lowers everybody. I think that's the, yeah, it's kind of where we are with the Eagles pass. I think it just muddles it. It adds more mouths to that offense. It just confuses everything that isn't Zach Ertz's production. And the more interesting one is the other side of this deal for me. Yeah. The Lions with Galladay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just put a fine point on the Eagles and we'll move off it. We're suggesting that all the Eagles pass catchers kind of take a down, down tick that aren't Zach Ertz. So there you go. For for the Lions, this is where it gets fun. This is one less mouth to feed in a, Normally, super prolific uh, Lions passing offense. They've really actually, for the first time ever, been trying to make an effort to really run the ball with uh, on Johnson. And they've uh, didn't happen last week, but the two weeks before, they'd thrown considerably less. But they had three guys that have, that have proven capable to actually do it. Well, now there's only two left standing. So the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny Galladay. By the way, it is worth pointing out to frame this that – with Tate leaving Detroit, 27% of the targets are now just on the table. Yeah, so, you have 27% of the team target share. Yeah. So for Galladay, I think we've already kind of seen it. Last week aside, being a weird blip at that, uh, we've pretty much seen Kenny Galladay, uh, for the most part, I mean, he's got to be wide receiver two level rest of season. If you're in a dynasty or keeper league and got him at a good value, you're loving life. I mean, he's been he's been fantastic. I don't see how that changes. I don't know how much higher I'd be willing to move him up just based on right. the overall ceiling for the offense. So but, yeah, that doesn't really Marvin, uh, merit a whole lot. The one that's the most interesting is Marvin Jones. That's the, that's where you see the huge because he was having a weird, frustrating season where he was still the downfield threat that he's always been. He was still getting the red zone targets. But Kenny Galladay had really just taken over the middle of the field stuff. And Golden Tate always gets the yeah, Mar- underneath. The Marvin Jones goal. already led the team with 47% of their target share for air yards. They love Marvin so Jones 40, there. So 41% like, of their downfield stuff was going to Marvin Jones. He also led the team with 54% of their red zone targets, and he had 32% of their uh, inside the 10 targets. So Marvin Jones was already getting a huge volume towards touchdown production. He was basically the tight end role. On this team. And now if you're opening up the underneath stuff, even if he splits it with Kenny Galladay the rest of the way, Marvin Jones goes from a back-end wide receiver three to a solid wide receiver two on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, he has to. And he also showed you what he can do last week. So take some of the recency bias out of that two-touchdown, 117-yard performance, because I don't know that you're going to get that every week, because if you were getting that every week, you'd be a wide receiver one. But you can feel confident that you're probably not going to see any more of those four for 40 performances from Marvin Jones, unless they're playing an elite secondary or something along that lines. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the Lions' schedule? Cause I was going through that and they do have two matchups with the bears in there still down the back half. So no, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. Like I said, I had him ranked as a top 10 guy Tate in that offense. So I feel like that, 
they've got the production there to uh, to both be wide receiver twos and feel good about it. Yeah, week in, week out, I think that's what you can kind of expect, is that both of them will be some level of security wide receiver two, and that's just kind of the way it's going to go. In terms of where the remainder of those uh, 27 targets go, they might try and get uh, Michael Rivera going, the tight end. They've been trying to do that off and on throughout the season when the opportunity presents itself. All right, Neil, let's go to some uh, some fan questions here. Get some uh, little bit of trust or bust in. Let's do it. We finish let's do today. it. Trust me. Trust? I'm asking you to trust me. Or bust. You make any kind of mistake and boom. Players to start. Is that a fish you could trust or what? Trust your instincts. Players that should sit. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Helping you set your lineup. Don't make the same mistake I made. To win your week. Gotcha. Can't win, don't try. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. And remember, don't trust anyone over 30. All right, Neil, first up. Stefan Diggs dealing with his rib injury or Josh Gordon in a full point PPR for their flex. Oh man. I can see why that guy's having quite the uh quite the conundrum this week. Uh he also has Julio and Kenny Galladay. Which he I imagine is playing. Yes. Yeah. Those are the two he's starting, that's why there's a flex. Yeah, question. that makes sense. Okay. Uh wow. Uh for me, I'm gonna go with uh with Diggs by a nose. And I understand that it's yep, the rib injury, but Diggs has been too good, and uh, Gordon is just too inconsistent for my money. So Diggs, Diggs by yeah. Nose. The only re- it, and the, that's the thing too is I would actually look at this, monitor it. If Josh Gordon is interesting because they're playing the Packers yes. at home on Sunday night, and they got rid of Ha Ha Clinton Dix the deadline. Yep. Possible he could hit big, but you just never know with the Patriots. I'd rather trust the consistency of Diggs. So I'm going with him as well. Yeah. Now hold on to Josh Gordon though, because oh, that's yeah. gonna have that's gonna be something for you moving forward. And if Diggs actually does get you know proper injured, then there you go. You're plug and play. Yeah. That was at Gaffis, by the way. Shout out. Shout to out to at Doby83. Crow, uh, Crowell against Miami or Carryon Johnson against Minnesota. Uh, Carryon Johnson against Minnesota. So very briefly, I saw a breakdown somebody did on YouTube, and I will shout that person out over the internet because it was very well done. Uh, but they had gone through and broken down game tape of uh, on Johnson versus Alvin Kamara, and I never noticed it before. Uh, on Johnson does a lot of the same stuff that Alvin Kamara does well. They actually profile yeah. out very similarly, and that bears monitoring moving forward because, look, Johnson's been good, and we just saw Alvin Kamara pick that defense apart. Just take it apart little by little. So I think that's going to be something the Lions are going to be very interested in trying. So I'm going to go ahead and take a shot on uh, Johnson this week. I agree. Tennessee's defense versus Dallas on Monday night or the uh, pa- Patriots defense against the Packers on Sunday that we just talked about. Oh, one more time. Hold on. Patriots defense, Packers. What was the other one? Uh, Tennessee's D against Dallas on Monday night. Ugh. Uh, Tennessee's defense slightly. Tennessee. Feel yeah, good about barely. it. But yeah, I'm probably going to go Tennessee. I want no part of that. I cut the Patriots defense this week in a bunch of leagues because I just don't. I don't trust it. I don't trust it this week. At but, Bo Donovan, 13, half-point PPR, one of these three options, Neil. Are you ready? Yeah. Half-point PPR. Devin Funches versus Tampa. Uh, Jones, got to be Aaron Jones, against New England. And Tyler Lockett against the Chargers. I'm thinking Funches against Tampa's D, right? I'm thinking Funches D, against right? Tampa's D, yeah, because that's just... As much as I love Aaron Jones. I mean, the Aaron Jones one is the only one that I'm going to really take seriously. So it's that or Aaron Jones for me, and I think I like Funchess against the Tampa D because they couldn't catch a cold. Yep. And, you know, for whatever you think of Funchess, it's just a great, great matchup in, a, in an offense that if he's just standing there wide open, they're going to throw it to him a bunch. So if it was full point, I'd feel even more strongly about this, which is why the Aaron Jones thing is interesting. But I'm still going to lean to the Funch eyes. Uh, I'm going to get this so wrong. At TL ad you saw, couldn't tell you. I'm hoping that's right. <laughs> Uh, he's going to start Latavius Murray as his flex this week, but with Dalvin Cook getting limited snaps, that could interfere. Do you still start Latavius Murray, or do you play Tevin Coleman or Doug Baldwin? <sighs> Coleman going up against the Redskins on the road. Yeah, I don't. I Doug don't Baldwin at home against the Chargers. I don't like that matchup either. And he's been so disappointing. 
Um, of them, I'm probably going to go with Dougie Fresh, because I feel like that game could turn into a shootout. I am also going to go with Dougie Fresh, mostly because I'm not playing Latavius Murray this week, as I pointed out earlier, and I really, really do not like that uh, that uh, the matchup with the R's there for Coleman. That is just not a good matchup for him. So don't don't want that. Uh, I will help myself to some Doug Baldwin and pray that he can get he can get free sometime in the game. At Schwedy925, Rivers or Russ in the same game this week? Rivers. Me too. Russell Wilson, bust. If only someone could have warned you in the preseason. Oh, <laughs> boy. If only there was River, some analyst out there that Rivers. told you. Yeah. Terrible matchup for Rivers, but I don't care. The volume. Just yeah. the crushing volume that is Rivers gets you to where you need to go. Standard scoring. At Taiho1047, Josh Gordon or Kenny Galladay? Standard scoring. Kenny Galladay. Interesting. Kenny Galladay. You can go with Gordon. It's that's a tough one. Boy, that's the hardest one so far. Because because of the scoring. bin. What's well, standard, standard scoring. scoring? So I don't care about volume that Galladay's going to get because it's all about yards. Yeah, and if I'm I'm looking big yardage like. touchdown from Josh Gordon, so that's what I'm thinking there. Yeah, it's tough. That's a tough one because. I could also see Kenny Galladay getting free at some point is what I'm thinking. Like Kenny Galladay catches. If Kenny one, Galladay gets like gets 10 catches ball. for 65 yards. That's not going to do anything yeah, for you. Yeah, it's that's six. Yeah, no, I get it. You're counting on somebody to get in the end zone. It's close. That one's very close. But I could also understand if you wanted to roll Josh Gordon based on what you're saying, just based on the idea that I only care about a touchdown. At Happy Galladay's. I love that one. Tyrell Williams. Or Danny Amendola. Is that PPR? Ty Williams against... I imagine PPR. Uh, see, it doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't say, say, so okay. I'm going to assume PPR. All right. Um, well, Brock Osweiler's starting. Danny Amendola's home against the Jets yeah, yeah. with Brock Osweiler. Well, that's the only reason Amendola has value. He had no value with Tannehill back there, and then Brock comes in, and he's using him as a safety blanket. So that's what you're counting on. But Tyrell Williams coming off those two monster games before the bye in a bad matchup. Well, if it was standard, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your line of logic and go Tyrell Williams based on the idea that all it takes is one 60-yard bomb getting back there. And Yeah, it's going Tyrell either way. Yeah, man. it probably is Tyrell either way, just based on the upside that Tyrell Williams presents that Amendola cannot possibly match. Amendola is the safer bet because there's no way he's going to get you with three, at least you wouldn't think, but Tyrell could. But, yeah, if you're, if you, especially if you need points, go Tyrell. Tight end dilemma, half-point PPR at state heel. Hayden Hurst at home against the Steelers or Chris Herndon on the road in Miami? I'm going to go Herndon. He scored a touchdown in the last three weeks. I'm going to go Herndon as well. He seems to be more involved. They're trying. I'm going to go with that one. They're trying to get him the ball, so let's go Herndon. Uh, At MHQ5589, Drew Brees at home against the Rams or Jared Goff on the road against New Orleans. He's playing against Todd Gurley. Does that have any impact? Uh, Jared Goff and no. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's my choice. At J Tyler one five two, Doug Baldwin or DJ Moore? Oh man, how the mighty have fallen! Oh, that's a gut punch. DJ Moore has had a lot of production recently. He's been good. That's why he was he made the waiver. And they're home in a good matchup. And then Doug Baldwin. I mean, against the Bucks, so inconsistent and hurt. I gotta think it's anyone against the Bucks, right? DJ Moore. (sighs) Let me put it to you this way. If it's PPR, I'm going DJ Moore because they just seem to want to get him carries and targets. So if it's PPR, I'm going Moore. If it's standard, I might have to go Baldwin just based on the idea that I'm not <laughs> super confident Moore is getting in the end zone for you. I was going to make I'd actually say the reverse. Really? <laughs> I, I feel more confident that Doug Baldwin will get a bunch of low-impact volume, but DJ Moore is the big play guy. Take, take a five-yard catch to the house. So that helps you more. That's in interesting. It's that, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I say yeah, real close. It's real close. So if, in a situation where it's real close, you maybe just roll more because Baldwin has been so bad and more has at least looked competent. You just bring it. You just break it down to that to the old eye test uh, at posing jabroni standard scoring Randall Cobb or Derrick Henry. Oh, boy, I hate this one. Cobb, I would think. Makes- even it's though it's standard Cobb, because it, it's Cobb, but it makes me sick because my Derrick Henry love. So, yeah. but it's Cobb. Oh, you and me both. It's Cobb. At Crad 03, Calvin Ridley versus Washington, Kenny Galladay versus Minnesota, or Cortland Sutton versus Houston. Can only pick one. Kenny Galladay. I'm going to go Cortland Sutton. It's going that, with I, that's my second choice. That's my second choice. So, like, it's it's close between those two, which is, but that we'll find out. We'll see. We'll, we'll let the internet inform us as to why we're such yeah. so wrong about Cortland Sutton later. Exactly. 
But that's it. There you go. Trust or bust answers for you people this week. Thank you all to everybody who uh, responded. I will give you some love in the shout for the uh, the podcast today. Yep. We appreciate you out there. Hopefully, hopefully we can help you out even a little bit. Normal service resumes next week. Our apologies for this being delayed, but it was unavoidable. Yep, no doubt. But again, hope you all enjoyed it. We will uh, hit you up again next week. And until then, just keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.